She loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. Oh, man. She loves me not. You ever, you ever do this? She <laughs> loves me. Ah, and you keep going. She loves me not until you've totally destroyed the flower, hoping that it ends with she loves me, all right? Um, question before us today is do we do that with God? <clears throat> I got a raise. Wow. He loves me. I uh, didn't get the promotion I wanted. He loves me not. This used to happen to me. I had a 59 Ford pickup that the gas gauge didn't work very well, and I was learning to walk with God, right? And so the gas, it would run out of gas on road 400 in Enumclaw. He loves me not. And I would tell him so. Yeah. We, we go through life, answered prayer. He loves me. Someone we've been praying for doesn't get healed or just doesn't work out, and we pull another pedal, and we say, he doesn't love me. So that's our question that we want to go through a little bit today because the reality is we wrestle with this idea of being loved and appreciated for who we are, and we do that in the human family often. We don't really understand love. And so we transfer that into our relationship with our Heavenly Father. In the best of times, it's easy. I am blessed. God loves me. Sounds like uh, times of old, right? When uh, the disciples... Uh, mentioned to Jesus, the person born blind, said, who sinned, the parents? Or, they didn't use this word, but they asked if the blind person who was born blind had sinned, implying that somewhere during his embryoic years, um, he sinned. That was their belief. If you were cursed, if you were lame, deaf, blind, leprosy, I don't know, you were cursed. God didn't love you. And Jesus says to the question, no, it's none of that. It's for God's glory that we are here. So in the best of times when the cash flow is coming in and everything is going well and your favorite food is on the table 24-7 and life is good, it's easy to believe that God loves me. But in those challenging times when Things just don't seem to work out, and, and you don't really know. It's all confusing, and dear ones that you care about are hurting or passing away. and It's saying, God doesn't love me. It's hard to grasp it. But there's a biblical truth. And since we um, want to have our foundation on the Word of God, then we should grab onto the Word of God and say there are some undeniable truths 
that the Word of God gives us. And you find this truth in 1 John 4, um, 8. Okay? I've sung this song. We could sing it again. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For what? God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. First John 4, 7 and 8. Okay? God is love. First John 4, 8. It's repeated in verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and he, God in him. Think about this for a minute. God is defined as love. I want, I want you to just lean into this today. Okay? God is love. We have a couple small groups that are uh, going through the study, dare to ask for more. Or the other one is working on The Circle Maker by Mark Patterson, which is an awesome book. Both books are challenging us to pray radically to God. To pray God will do more than bless the lasagna. Okay? That God will part the Red Sea in your world. But you're only going to ask that from a God that you know loves you. See, if, if you're not going to go into your, it's the same thing in the human world. You're not going to go ask for some incredible thing from a parent you don't trust or from a boss you don't trust. These incredible asks come from people typically that we have a, a deep relationship with. So John, the Apostle John, is saying here, God is love, and he who love who abides in love abides in God. And God in him. That takes you back to John chapter 15. He is the vine and we are the branches. His banner over me is love. <laughs> he is the vine and we are the branches. His banner over me is love. He is the vine and we are the branches. His banner over me is His banner over me is love. And you could go with He broke my chains and He set me free. His banner over me is love. He invites me to His banqueting table. His banner over me is love. I mean, just commit some of these silly songs that we learned when we were kids to memory and then sing them in those moments that not feeling so loved, and it will help do that. Abide in love, we abide in God, and God abides in us. This is an incredible reality. We're going to explore that together. <clears throat> this, this is another song, <laughs> okay? Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it doesn't know him. Okay? Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. We can do this in a round. 
Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us, that we should be called the sons of God, that we should be called the sons of God. And you can sing that in a round, and we can just go and have a, a hoot. But <laughs> the musician among us says, let's do that. <laughs> Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. Wow, let's keep going. There's another one um, over here. Ah, think about it this way. Genesis 1.1. If God is defined as love, then you can just flip it. Okay? Love is defined as God. Okay? Um, Tim Keller, who wrote the the book and has a podcast on the prodigal God. If you want to look at the prodigal son story in a new, fresh way, just look at Tim Keller, prodigal God, and you'll really see the irresponsible one in the story is the father because he's expressing radical, prodigal, out-of-this-world love on some kids that don't really appreciate him. It's really cool. God is love. Love is God. Oswald Chambers says you could take all the caring, compassionate love of parents from all eternity, put it all together in one place, and you might have a small shadow of God's love. In the beginning, God. Could we not say, in the beginning, love? Think about it. You could say God, this entity that we're not really sure about, created something. Or you could say love created. we got two beautiful babies in this house right now. Okay, It's not just an ambiguous something or other out there that created these beautiful children. There's the love between parents. And now we have Zoe and Lem. And we're all blessed that they're here. It's love. Love created the heavens and the earth. Love created those constellations of stars that just amaze us when we go out on a cloud, on a, a night when we're up maybe camping away from city lights, right? And we look up and we go, whoa, didn't know there were so many stars. Or these beautiful flowers. Anyway, we can look at this one, which is not as beautiful as it was. But when you take a look at this flower and you begin to delve into the Fibonacci sequence, for those who are mathematicians around us, and some of the amazing intricacies of some of these flowers that God made, and those who are photographers and get really close can see uh, the beauty of these flowers that God made for no particular reason other than he loves it. You know the, the bee, the hummingbird? Well, the hummingbird might need some color, but not really. They're just smelling nectar. They're just going after the nectar. They're not going after red and white and pink and purple and lavender. They're going after the yummy stuff. We look at it and we go, whoa, that is amazingly beautiful. It's because of love. Love created the heavens and the earth. Then think about this. God got together and said, let us make man in our image. All right, let's twist it around a little bit. Love got together. 
Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit got together. Love got together and said, let us make love. We're going to recreate our image, love, into this new creation. And maybe when you go back and read some of the old stories out of the spirit of prophecy, like Steps to Christ, chapter 1, God's love for man, and you substitute the word love in the place of God the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, that book might just jump off the pages to you. Or when you look at the first few chapters of Desire of Ages, and you see how that Satan had nigh on obliterated the image of God. Love. And so the Son came to show us the Father. And he said to his disciples, Philip in particular, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So when Jesus is down healing the blind, the lame, the sick, taking care of people, raising the dead, that's love. That's love. So, the question is, can God do anything but love? He can't. I mean, the Old Testament sometimes is pretty challenging. But look at it from his perspective. Can he do anything but love. And if some of his children are going to reject the overtones of love, ah, okay, so we see from the beginning, we see God coming down to talk with Adam and Eve. Love comes to hang out with his loved ones. We don't get very far to the next chapter or so, and we see God coming down to talk to Cain. Love came to talk to Cain because love didn't want Cain to do what Cain was about to do. You think about God doing that, coming down, saying, uh, Myanda, man, I love you so much. God, don't do that. You can see that. He says that to Cain. Okay? Don't do what you're going to do. There's just time out happening right here. Okay? And then, of course, when Cain kills his brother Abel, he comes down and says, your brother's blood is crying out to me because he's someone I love. I love you, and I love him. Okay? You see Jesus, God, coming down um, to talk to Noah, saying, my loved ones have kind of just gone off, gone wacko, man. We've got to figure out how to do something different here. And But, you know, this guy Noah, now we're tight. And I know that he will do something really, really crazy. He'll go out in his backyard and build a boat when it's never rained. There's no place to float something that big. But I know because Noah loves me, he'll do what I asked him to do. You see that happening. He comes down to the Tower of Babel. He comes down, find Abraham, his friend. He comes down to talk with his children because he can't do anything but love. Can't do anything but love. Ah, uh, This comes out of Ephesians. Again, 
It's an incredible bit of scripture. Paul is writing, and he's talking to the Ephesians, letting them know he's praying for them so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, and depth, and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Think about it. When we go out and have some fun with this, um, get on a NASA website, just maybe find a, um, a video like Privileged Planet or something like that, and start looking at the universe differently. You can go and get a, a YouTube clip on the, the last visit to Hubble, last trip to Hubble. It was a 3D construction shown at the IMAX a long time ago. But in there, you know, they're looking at 300 billion galaxies, and in the nebula of the Orion is what they consider the birthplace of galaxies, and there's wind in there flying around at 5 million miles an hour. I have no idea how they can measure that. But um, there's all these little baby galaxies, right? And uh, it's just crazy massive. And then when you read that Paul is praying that his church will come to understand the height the depth, the length, and the width of God's love, it's just mind-blowing to try to comprehend the massiveness of God's love. We're going to try that in a verse today and in a movie clip, and then we're going to sing that song, Jesus Loves Me, again. Um, But here you go. Think of it this way. For love... So loved the world, the unlovable pale blue dot floating through space in rebellion. Love, so loved the world, that love gave love's only begotten love that whoever believes in love should not perish but have everlasting life. It's all about love. Love so loved this runaway planet that love gave love's only begotten love, that whosoever should believe in love should not perish but have everlasting life. For love did not send love's love into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through love might be saved. We're redeemed through love. We're redeemed because of love. We are greatly loved. You can find many passages in Scripture that talk about, Jacob, I have loved. We are called as a church, we are called the bride of Christ. Now, think about what Tyler shared, um, calling LaVon from somewhere out in the middle of nowhere in the ocean on the ship, it's because you want to connect with your bride, 
your special one. Um, it, it, you might not know that now, but there was a period of time where Kim was in uh, California doing some stuff, and I was at university in Ellensburg, and we needed to chat um, each evening. And I ran from where I was living because we had one car, which she took, and so I ran the two miles to the nearest pay phone. Pay phone. Which would happen to be at Taco Time. So I could get my deep fried burrito and not feel guilty because I just run two miles and I knew I'd have to run two miles back home after I dropped how many quarters into the phone so I could call my love. See, we do this in human terms, but let's just make it into God terms. God couldn't help himself. He had created his love, and his love needed to be called home. And he didn't come down here to point fingers, you know, spank us or whatever, put us in time out, take away our privileges. He came down here to redeem us, to love on us, to caress us, to hug us, to, yeah, forgive us. This comes from Steps to Christ, page 65. Our Heavenly Father waits to bestow upon us the fullness of His blessing. It is our privilege to drink largely at the fountain of boundless love. What a wonder it is we pray so little. I'm going to really challenge, in uh, two weeks we have our retreat at uh, Rosario, and we're going to be talking more about this. But how many times do we just uh, go through the day? This, uh, as an illustration, I've been drinking on this bottle for 42 years. Just want you to know, you know. Got a little Jesus today. I'm good. Maybe I'll take next month, I'll take another little. Got a little Jesus today. Been at it for 42 years. Taking a little Jesus every so often. You can see, I could do this my whole life. You know, it is a journey. Is that what what we're challenged to do? Take a little Jesus? There's a little Jesus right there. That's good. Large drafts. From the boundless, the fountain of boundless love. Jesus said, I'm the water of life. Come to me, receive me, and I will build up in you to be a fountain of life. That's the promise he gave the lady at the well, right? It wasn't just come to me and get a sip. And that'll last you till next week when you can get another sip. I want you to run a 26-mile marathon in between Saturday to Saturday, but just take a sip. Everyone remember the Mary Decker story in the Olympics? Yeah, I'm not sure. Your parents might not have been around then, but that's okay. <laughs> Mary Decker, well, you know, she was a gold medal contender for the uh, marathon in the Olympics. She ran barefooted, I believe, and uh, she collapsed at the end. She was so dehydrated. They had to put IVs in her and do all kinds of stuff. You can still find the clip. 
out there if you're interested in that kind of thing. But if we expect to run a marathon every week and only take a sip on Saturdays, it's just not going to work. We've got to take large drafts, big drinks every day of Jesus. In fact, at the prayer retreat, we might even make the analogy that we've got to shower in Jesus' love every day when we get up. We've got to drink large. We've got to bathe in his love. We've got to just get in the tub and let Jesus soak us up, right?